Hi, this is Jen Ferboni, and today we'll be mapping SI pain on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Jen Fraboni. Dr. Jen Fraboni, PT, DPT, is an internationally renowned physical therapist who specializes in helping people overcome chronic pain and maximize physical performance. As the founder of the new platform and app, Jen.Health, she brings a unique whole body approach to strength, mobility, and pain-free living. In 2019, Jen was named one of the top 50 most influential healthcare professionals. Jen's easily accessible approach has garnered her more than half a million followers on social media and millions of views of her health and fitness videos. Jen has been featured in Shape Magazine, Self Magazine, Men's Fitness, and Muscle and Fitness, and in 2020, graced the cover of Oxygen Magazine. During the pandemic, she helped ease back pain with her feature on Good Morning America and NBC. Jen is the co-host with her husband, who is also a doctor of physical therapy, to a popular podcast called The Optimal Body Podcast. Hey, Jen, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to talk to you about SI pain. I know this is a passion of yours and it impacts so many people. So before we dive into the particulars, can you just talk about what SI pain is? Yeah. I mean, SI pain, I would say, is quite complex because our right where our sacrum meets our ilium, which creates our SI joint right underneath the low back. That's where so many pressures get dispersed from the forces that we're creating from the upper body down into the lower body. So our SI, our hip area, kind of takes on a lot of that stress. And when there's increased stress, increased load in an area, that's where a lot of people might have increased sensitivities and a lot of pain issues that end up popping up. So the SI is the sacroiliac joint. Do I have that right for those of us who aren't as well-versed as you? <laughs> yes, the sacroiliac joint. So right where that sacrum is on the like the tailbone area and how that meets the ilium. So like those are like the hip bone muscles that connect right into that tailbone area. 
I love looking at it like that. And I have my hands like on that area of my body because I just I'm always joking that the musculoskeletal system is not my area of expertise. So I always appreciate the tutorials. Why is it that we're seeing more pain in this particular area of the body? Well, again, I just think it's an area that has to be required to take on so much force. And in reality, it only moves about 0.3 millimeters. So it is not a huge point of movement here. However, it does take on, again, a lot of that force. So if we are having increased forces here without a lot of strength and stability in the area, we might feel just those increases of those pulls on like the ligaments that are around the areas or the muscles and the tendons that connect around the SI. I mean, there's so much happening around there with all of our rotators that come in around like the glutes. I mean, the glutes everyone thinks of as our big you know, glute max muscle, but underneath that, we also have our glute medius, our glute minimus, and then we have all these smaller rotator muscles that connect in around that pelvis as well. So there's so much going on and there's different, I would say, instances that we could get tugging and pulling that happen that increase that sensitivity and that level of pain to the brain. So let's talk about both the pain and the instances which I might think of as triggers that could increase the pain. First of all, how do people describe that pain that they're experiencing? And is there a scale where people are immobile with issues in this area to just like a constant niggling? It's typically like if someone were to take their thumb and say, I have pain right here, and they kind of point right below that low back and into that almost tailbone or hip area, that's usually such a good sign of someone is having SI pain. It's typically on one side versus the other. It's typically comes on more so through movement and exercise it goes away when you're resting. So those are really common signs that someone is having some SI pain. And so they're often talking about it when they may be exercising more and then it's impeding. Do you find it impedes people from getting out and doing their movement? I think more so because of what we've been sold kind of in society in terms of what we know of SI pain. So a lot of times because it's more one-sided, we think, oh, my hips are out of alignment. Something is off. So if I do more movement, well, then that's only going to cause more movement in my SI area, which is only going to throw me off even more. And that's worse. And so we get this kind of fear avoidance happening with movement where on the flip side, movement is the only thing that helps to decrease that sensitivity. We just have to do it in a level that slowly progresses the movement so that the person can start to tolerate a new sensation in that area without having those increased sensitivities and the increased pain. So you're talking about and illuminating a myth that might exist around this pain. How would you speak to a client who's coming in experiencing this pain, telling you that they've stopped moving and kind of starting to debunk that myth that they can't or shouldn't be moving? I really say that, you know, the SI doesn't move a whole lot. So it can't necessarily be out of place. It can't 
have moved to a certain area because we only have about 0.3 millimeters of movement in that area anyways. And then I might even show a picture because when we see how many ligaments we have around the pelvis, it is a ton. And that's only the baseline. So if we show them, look at all these ligaments that help to support that. And that's only underneath all of these muscles that really help to support. So really we have a lot of support in this area. We just get to learn how to reprogram and we coordinate how we use those muscles so that they're not causing any pulling sensation or any increased pain in that area. And so if we could start to kind of reprogram how we move those muscles and how we coordinate through movement, then we can start to feel a different sensation. But ultimately, you're not out of place. Your movement is not bad. We just get to change the sensation that we're feeling in that movement pattern. Yeah, I love how you're talking about the reprogramming. And I want to get into how we might talk about some of that reprogramming. Before we do that, Jen, are there other physiological impacts that might occur or that you see in practice because of SI pain? You know, it is usually just so limited in terms of what we feel directly in those areas. However, I do say that we need to look around the areas when we have SI pain so we think about the glutes a lot or we think about what's happening right at the back of there, but we often forget about what's happening when we even breathe and what, what pressures are taking place on the inner part of our pelvic support. And that's from our diaphragm all the way down to our pelvic floor. So how I breathe and the pressures that I put from that diaphragm to my pelvic floor are going to have a response in terms of the movement that happens in that pelvis. And that internal response is the first response that I have that creates this internal support so that I feel less sensitivity out into the outside of my pelvis. And so it's really a starting to reprogram how I'm moving from that inner core, that diaphragm to that pelvic floor, how those are stacking, how those are aligning and how those pressures are being dispersed. And then I can start to take a step out a little bit and say, okay, how is that pelvic floor now interacting with my glutes? How's that pelvic floor now interacting with movement? How's that breath interacting with my pelvis as I'm going through movement. And if we start to reprogram how we're looking at that, then we can start to change not only how we feel because we know that the breath has such a huge impact on pain, but we start to reprogram also how the pressures get dispersed within our system so that we can start to decrease some, again, just those increased sensitivities. Yeah. I mean, I'm imagining, and I'm going to knock on wood because I haven't felt this pain, but I'm imagining that anything else that involves that area of the body, including the pelvic floor, even if it's elimination, might be at risk because there's this fear of sensation in that area if it's chronic in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've known patients that have had this pain for 10 years and they've been so afraid to do more movement because they've been told that it's out of place, that there's just this fear of movement, of increasing strength of doing anything else. But the reality is, even if we had a clinician that quote unquote, put it back into place, the force of what we can put into the body is only about 20 to 30 pounds of force. We have way more force when we're out walking, doing stairs, a lot of other activities. So it doesn't make sense that if 
I'm only putting in 20 to 30 pounds of force, but yet you're going to go walk upstairs. That's going to put a lot more (laughs) pounds of force through your body. Well, then if that's not putting you out of place, I'm not putting you back into place. I'm just changing the sensation that you briefly feel on the table. But now I get to empower you to feel something different while you're putting force in standing in movement and single leg activities. Yeah. So there's movement that we have to reintroduce. I'm curious too about the connection between the pain and other inflammatory issues that that person might be experiencing. Do you see a connection there with this particular area of the body between systemic inflammation and SI pain? Definitely. In any pain that we look at in the body, anytime we have pain, we have to look at the biopsychosocial model. So what is happening biologically, meaning what am I putting in my body? So how are my nutrients affecting? Am I putting a lot of inflammatory foods within my body? That is definitely going to have play a role in just the fluids being able to move, being able to (laughs) get more stimulation and blood flow to a certain area we're not going to get that healing really to occur if we're not moving fluids through the body very well. So if we're getting stuck, if we're putting a lot of inflammatory foods, if we're not drinking enough water, if we're not getting enough sleep, we can't expect our battery to run well if our battery is running on low. We have to start to change and reprogram the way that we're feeding our body, we're fueling our body in order for it to start to create a different response to that pain. Yeah, so good because we really need to embrace that right side of the matrix and we're going to talk about movement, but I love how you're speaking about the interconnections between all of the skills that we could be incorporating to help address and eliminate the pain with, of course, the movement being a primary area that you're speaking into and we're going to focus on. So what is the movement we should be thinking about that most helps with? the SI pain? So my first thing that I like to bring people back to is just getting them to feel where their breath is coming from, because we know that internal breath power, if we can get those pressures to be a little bit more stabilized, we help to create a good internal support system. So I like to tell people to wrap their hands around their low rib cage, and you could be supported in seating or laying down on your back. And if you kind of give a little squeeze to your rib cage and then breathe into your hands just ever so slightly in through your nose for like two to four seconds, and then you hold that for a moment, and then you breathe out for about six to eight seconds, as much as you can through pursed lips, then we start to change the pressures that is happening. One, when I expand more from my rib cage than my upper chest, then I'm helping to pump that diaphragm a little bit better. And as my diaphragm moves, it's going to move onto my pelvic floor as well. So as I take a big inhale and my diaphragm moves down, my pelvic floor actually should move down as well. It should get some length. And then as I exhale and my diaphragm just reflexively moves back, my pelvic floor should start to lift as well. So I get this natural pumping action happening from my diaphragm down to my pelvic floor. My stomach should be relaxed, so it naturally kind of goes out. My back should be relaxed. So I get all these pressures kind of dispersing with the inhale and then everything kind of contracting back on the exhale. And that's what starts to build in that good internal support. So starting with the breath is so crucial, one, for any kind of pain issue, but two, especially when we're talking about what's happening around the pain in the pelvis. 
Yeah, that's so brilliant. We'll link to a couple other episodes on breath and breath work in the show notes. It's really interesting to me that it comes back to the breath work, both for the structure and the pain, but also I'm imagining the ways that we kind of tense up and the whole nervous system and stress response that we go into when we're holding pain. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Stress plays a huge role. Getting that system to downregulate and relax, that helps with pain. So the breath really taps into so many different areas, not only physiologically in terms of the internal support, but also that stress response, that relaxation, that talking to the vagus nerve, getting the whole body to kind of calm down. So Jen, I know my line of questioning is probably not matching your level of expertise. So I want to give you the floor and just say, what am I not asking you about SI pain that you feel like you want to shout from the rooftops so that we all know and understand better? (laughs) I I mean, I think your questioning has been so great (laughs) because we have to think of all these other areas when it comes to pain. That's everything. Everything we put in our life has a response to how we're feeling and the sensitivity that we're putting in our body as a whole. But the one thing that I love to shout and make sure that everyone can understand is that what we tell our patients and clients is so crucial for how they're going to respond and get better. And so if I'm telling someone that they have to rely on my hands in order to start to feel something different, then I'm doing a disservice for them in the long run to rely on themselves and be empowered in their own bodies. So I think educating in terms of what I do with my hands is supporting in your initial pain response. But what you do with your own body is what's ultimately going to create the best and most long-term outcome. And again, yes, from movement, yes, from breath work, but also from the stress reduction, also what we put in our bodies, how we're, how we're hydrating, how we're sleeping and making sure we're refueling our own battery so that we can expect it to work and program at a better rate. So everything that we kind of put into, you know, our own selves, we have to really empower a client to make sure that they understand they have the tools to really do it themselves. And we are just a guide, but we're not the ones fixing. We're not the ones putting anything back into alignment. They do that all on their own. That is brilliant, Jen, and such an important message for all of us, no matter what areas of the body we're working with and in helping our clients and patients to find the right support and reminding them that it is within their agency. Thank you so much. I learned a lot today in my time with you. So I really appreciate all the wisdom that you brought to this conversation about SI pain. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks go out to Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, Sandra Brower, Evan Hollingsworth, Heidi Kaufman-Lakowitz, and Rowan Bradley for their support making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. 
You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your clients' issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.